0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Yes, it is rolling along. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. We will have Steve Young in a half hour on the Goodyear hotline. Outstanding analyst, obviously, Hall of Fame quarterback. A million things to get into with him. And I have to lodge a little bit of a complaint about the members of the hashtag crew because I feel like I'm going to get the blowback for this. But the bottom line of it is, if there's one thing for which I am known, it is my teases, right? I tease the things that are coming up. And so I teased about 20 minutes ago that we were coming up. I was going to tell you why I can make an argument that, and, and running back is the most important player in the NFL. And then I came back out of the break and I got Hembo sending me in one direction and Nuno sending me in another. And we're talking about all this other stuff. And you got me laughing and unfocused. And the next thing you know, I didn't get it in there. And you know who that's going to come down upon. It's going to come down upon me. People are going to say, I feel unsatisfied that Greeny did not pay off the tease and they're not going to say, I'm angry with Nuno and Hembo for sidetracking him. Do you realize, uh, Hembo, that you are skirting this responsibility? This
2: running back payoff must really live up, live up to the hype because it is impossible for me as an analytics guy to believe that a running back could be the most important player of the Well,
1: NFL. I am about to demonstrate to you why the show is called Greenie mm-hmm. because this happens to be the scoop. The scoop. The running back is Saquon Barkley. I believe absolutely everything hangs in the balance for the New York football giants this season, which is to say that football team as currently constituted will go one of two ways and its future will follow, which is to say this is the Daniel Jones moment. This season is all about, but look at everything they've done to try and put him in the perfect position to succeed. This is all about whether he can do it or not. And that is a referendum on Dave Gettleman, who was their general manager those two, I think rightly so, are attached at the hip. If Jones is a bust, then that goes on Gettleman's permanent record, and I think we see a new general manager and a new quarterback, and who knows what that era starts to look like. But this group that they have built is going to be determined one way or another this year, and I have some optimism for them. And let me tell you why the return from injury of Saquon Barkley is so important. I'm about to read for you the numbers that Daniel Jones has put up when Saquon Barkley is on the field. In 11 games, so all the sample sizes here are going to be reasonably limited because Daniel Jones has only been an NFL player for two seasons. But he started 11 games with Saquon Barkley. In those 11 games, Daniel Jones threw 23 touchdowns against nine interceptions and he averaged 269 passing yards a game. Basically, that was all as a rookie. Those are outstanding numbers. Those are numbers that if you look at him, if a rookie quarterback, if you had a rookie quarterback, and I told you he went 23 touchdowns, nine picks, and threw for 270 yards per game, you'd say, we've got ourselves a star in the making. Then he loses Saquon Barkley. In the 15 games without Barkley, Daniel Jones, 12 touchdowns, 13 picks, less than 200 yards per game, 199. You'd look at those numbers and you'd say to yourself, "Uh uh-oh, we may have made a big mistake here. So the chasm between we've got ourselves a superstar in the making and "Uh uh-oh, we made a mistake here is called Saquon Barkley. I believe Barkley's healthy return Regardless of what numbers he puts up, and I think they will be big, but regardless of them, I think his mere presence on the field makes enough of a difference that it will be what puts Daniel Jones over the top and thus rescues, I believe, his starting career and this team's season. Let me see if my favorite Giant fan is buying it. Nuno, what do you think? I'm all all in on this team, except Devin, uh, hashtag Devin has been – Screaming
2: how he thinks the Giants are just going to be garbage this year, and even though he's a Giant fan, um, and how this offensive line hasn't been improved. We have,
1: we have no offensive line, Greeny. None. Listen, Devin, you have addressed the offensive line every year since I was born, and every year it gets worse. How is it possible that they took a tackle with the fourth pick in the draft last year, and they had the worst pass block win rate of any team in the National Football League? Here's the bottom line, Devin. It can't get worse. Your offensive line cannot possibly get worse.
2: I agree. I think Andrew Thomas is going to be good, but the problem is Will Hernandez, second-round pick, he hasn't panned out. We've had injuries already. It's just trending towards it. Let's
1: not thing. get so sidetracked into the minutiae mm. of the individuals. The point is I could give you a bunch of names you should be excited about, and they include names like Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay and any number of others to go with Ingram and and all these other guys you already had, and Barkley. So that is my premise, Mr. Analytics, that Saquon Barkley will actually be the difference between Daniel Jones looking like he was a decent pick. I'm not sitting here telling you that Daniel Jones is going to make anybody forget Steve Young. Mm. I don't think that's his future. But there are plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL who are good enough to win with, good enough to win with, And I think he can be that, and I think Saquon Barkley makes him that. What do you think of that, Mr. Hembo?
2: I think that if Daniel Jones becomes that, it will have much less to do with Saquon Barkley and much more to do with improvements along the offensive line. That, of course, is TBD. But I steadfastly believe that running backs don't really impact winning. They just don't. Pass protection and run blocking impact winning much more. We've seen it time and time again across the NFL. We saw Derrick Henry become a superstar uh, when Ryan Tannehill took over the, as the starting quarterback, there. We saw the Panthers see no uh, drop off last year in their offensive production after Christian McCaffrey's injury. The reason we elevate running backs in our minds. Uh, publicly is because we all play fantasy football. But in reality, it's not an important position anymore. So Saquon Barkley could put up 2,000 yards from scrimmage this year, and I don't think it will have any impact on the Giants winning if they can't pass protect.
1: Note to self, don't ask Hembo that question again. (laughs) Airlines, restaurants, and more have been (laughs) ramping up their hiring. Who do they turn to? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can easily invite your top choices to apply. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com. Slash Greenie. Meanwhile,
2: I'm sorry. What?
1: what, what, what? I'm sorry. What?
0: what? I'm sorry. What?
2: I'm sorry.
1: What? You know what Carmelo Anthony said yesterday? I'm going to play you a little bit of Carmelo's introductory news conference, which wasn't really a news conference. He's on a Zoom call like everybody else. And it's just painful to watch. I, who I would have thought you would miss those press conferences where everyone just shows up basically for the catering and, and then Carmelo <laughs> stands up there, you know, with, with, and they bring out a jersey. Now he's just like sitting in a room like everybody else. It's depressing. But one way or another, this is Carmelo Anthony's explanation of how he is now on the Lakers.
0: Bron came to me one time and just said, that, yo, I'm, the time is now.
1: Like, I want you. We got to make but I'm it. I'm cutting it off there. <laughs> you don't need to hear the rest of it. That's what the NBA is now. LeBron just came to me, not Rob Polinka just came to me, not Jeannie Buss just came to me, not anybody else. Who just came? To LeBron. LeBron just called him up and said, hey, uh, time is now. Okay, we're done here. <laughs> That's it. That's how these things work. He's just not sugarcoating it anymore.
2: LeBron came to
0: me one time and just said, yo, I'm the time is now. Like, I want you. We got to make this happen. And, you know, I, t- I took that information and took that, you know, that dialogue and took my time with it. and. You know, weighed all weighed all the options that, that that I was weighing at at that time, and you know, I just felt like for right now, I think this was the best time.
1: Okay, otherwise translated, LeBron said, "We're doing this," and thus it was done. That's what the NBA is now. These guys are just doing this themselves. Now, I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent, but it sure is interesting. It's a fascinating little momentary glimpse into the way the NBA works. He just said it. LeBron just called me up, said, all right, we're doing this now. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the NBA. My gut feeling is that it's a bad thing. Because that's the way these things work, like, you know, when you play pickup basketball. We're just going to hold the court the entire day. I feel like playing, so I'm just going to get four guys. Like, I remember one time, this is a ridiculous diversion from what I was saying, but I remember one time saying to Jalen that in the town in Connecticut where I live, there are a bunch of Wall Street guys, all of whom think that they were one knee injury away from having been in the NBA. And they play like these weekend morning games at the Y, and they take them unbelievably seriously. Unbelievably seriously. And I said, one of these days, I just want to bring you down there and just get you into a game and just see what happens. And Jalen said to me, and I quote, in the NBA, I was good. In that game, I'm Wilt
2: Chamberlain.
1: <laughs> and and that's my point. Like if you we would just have the court the whole day. Because I've got Jalen and you've got two lawyers and a stockbroker. And that's the way this stuff works now. Me calling up Jalen and saying, hey, it's time. Just insert me into this. Bron came to me one time and just said, yo, I'm, the time is now. Like, I want you. We got- if That would be it. Jalen would just come down to this game, and we'd run the court for the entire day, and he'd say, well, Greeny just called me up and said, the time is now. I want you. And we would just have the court for the entire day. That's what the NBA has become. There's no mention of any person whose job it is to sign a player, right? That was 19 seconds in which no other name was met. Rob Palinka. Genie, whoever else makes the decision. I don't even know who else it is. Who's working with Rob Palenka there now? It doesn't matter. LeBron James is the general manager of that team, and that's the point. At least we're not making any bones about it anymore. LeBron came to me
0: one time and just said, "Yo, I'm,
1: the time is now. The time is now. Okay. We're, we're good here. Thank you. Uh, I'll go play with the Lakers. Now I know what my future is. I'll, I'll go figure out something else to do with the rest of my day. That, I do, again, I don't know if that is good or bad. But it is definitely interesting. This is Greeny brought to you by Samsung Galaxy. Reddit user Ja1073 says, you got to look yourself in the mirror and ask, am I ready for this life? You won't be able to go back to mediocre after this. Are you ready for this life? Find out at samsung.com slash reserve. Coming up next, how is it possible the most overrated player in sports is the most underrated player in sports? We'll explain right after this. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Again, the Hall of Famer, Steve Young, live. A little more than 10 minutes from now on the Goodyear hotline. And so uh, this came up yesterday in an off-air conversation, and I wanted to bring it on the air because there is a player in sports who has always fascinated me. Came into the sport with as much fanfare as almost any player that I can remember in one of the sports where you don't usually know those guys. Basketball is a sport where the guys who come in first, second, third, pick in the draft, you know exactly who they are. Casual sports fans know who they are. Football, even more so. Casual sports fans all know who the top picks in the draft are. Baseball is a little different from that. Not every year does everybody. Hembo is smiling because Hembo knows. But most fans, even people who are pretty significant baseball fans, they don't know the names of the guys who are going to be drafted and coming out of high school, all that kind of stuff. And they don't come right to your team. They spend their time in the minor leagues. But Bryce Harper was a name everybody knew. Bryce Harper was the next big thing in the sport before he was even in the sport. That's something that generally happens in basketball, not in baseball. And then he came into the sport, and he seemed to be living up to the hype. He had this brashness. People loved him and hated him. He was a polarizing figure. Some people couldn't stand him. And we went through the clown question, bro, and the ups and the downs. And I believe he was the youngest player in the All-Star game three consecutive years, which, if you really think about it, is incredible. And then he went through a period where I think he became an overrated player. I think the amount of attention that he received was disproportionate because of who he is to what he was doing. He got that huge contract in Philadelphia, and he sort of almost kind of went away. And yesterday, you turned to me as the Phillies now become the hottest team in the National League, and at this point, maybe threatening to run away and hide with what looked like a very competitive division. You said to me, right now, Bryce Harper is the most underrated player in the sport. Help me with that.
2: I think he is, Greeny, because right now he is the best position player on baseball's hottest team. He owns the second best odds to win the MVP award in the National League behind only Fernando Tatis. And the reason this thought came to me was because last week he hit his 250th career home run, 250 for Bryce Harper at the age of 28. So I went back back and checked. He is younger than 16 of the 27 members of the 500 home run club when they hit their 250th Mm -hmm. home run. So in other words, this guy was a prodigy, and then he was a phenom, and then he was overrated. But now he is essentially living up to the hype that he promised, but he just sort of got here with the very circuitous route that's how I feel
1: so is he right now because he's a name everybody knows is he the most overrated player or the most underrated player in the sport he's the most underrated player in the sport I think that's right he is that's amazing I mean how many players in sports can you say that that at one time or at different times in their career the same person was the most overrated and most underrated player in the sport and how could they go in that order like you would think the underrating would come and then the overrating would come, but we did it the opposite way. We overrated him and now we're underrating well, him.
2: Well, we overrated him because he told us to, because he, was, he had the best hitting season that a 22-year-old had had since Ted Williams. And then he just stopped being good for three years and signed a $300 million contract with the Phillies. The first year he left, the Nationals win the World Series without him. So every stadium he goes into, the chance of overrated are natural. But he has quietly, like you said, very quietly, come back to being a superstar and leading the Phillies to in, in all likelihood, the playoffs for the first time in more than a decade. It,
1: it, it really is amazing. And when you said it yesterday, it kind of crystallized mm. in my mind. it felt like something that it was worth bringing here. Greeny with you, Steve Young in a minute. Meanwhile, The scoop. One of the things we can talk about, obviously we'll talk about quarterbacks. I'm here to tell you that I'm hearing whispers that this Dak Prescott injury is worse than they're letting on. Now, I want to make 100% clear what I'm saying. I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not Jeff Darlington. I'm not Ed Werder. I'm not reporting to you information that I myself have received. But I am telling you that the people whose job it is to get that information are suggesting to me that they're getting that impression. That contrary to what... Mike McCarthy, the coach of the Cowboys, is saying, oh, it's fine. It's nothing. It's fine. It's nothing. You know, the movie Animal House, is that a dated reference now? Does everyone know the movie Animal House? You know, the scene at the end of the movie Animal House where Kevin Bacon in a police officer's uniform is standing in front of the food king, the supermarket screaming, all is well. While everyone is racing past him like maniacs. That, I feel like, is what it's starting to be in Dallas with every single day that goes by. And he's not able to throw a football and they're standing there telling you, oh, it's nothing. It's fine. But at the same time, Jerry Jones, the owner of the team, said, oh, it's nothing, it's fine. But we've consulted with the Texas Rangers about throwing injuries. And then Michael Irvin, the legend, goes to practice and then goes on Ed Werder's podcast, the Doomsday Podcast, and tells him that he saw this.
0: I am a bit concerned that it, this thing may be a little bit more serious than, than they're playing on to. I, I watched Jack today, right, taking snaps, doing his draw. He still used his off-arm. Now, that means you use your off-arm to throw that ball two yards in front of you. If you can't crank up two yards... <laughs> Right now, why, why am I to believe in, you know, two, three weeks you can get up 60 yards? I, 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 I don't know. I'm a, I'm a bit concerned.
1: So right now, in practice, Dak Prescott, when he just needs to flip the ball to someone who's standing six feet away, like we all know what six feet is now, right? That's social distancing, like that close, he flips it with his other hand. His throwing shoulder is what's injured. The body is a remarkable kinetic machine. He had that terrible injury to the leg. Is it possible that somewhere in there something got funked up as he was throwing the football, and he's got to favor this? and I don't know. I don't know any of that. I'm not a doctor. I'm sitting here telling you all the things I'm not. I'm not a reporter, so I'm not getting this information firsthand, and I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose what's going on. But I can tell you definitively that there are people who know the situation, who are telling you this is a bigger deal than they're letting on. I've never wanted to be wrong about anything this badly. I like Dak. I like him a lot. I know him a little. He's a good guy. He's everything you'd want him to be. He's done everything right. Thank goodness at least he got his money, whatever happens. But I think that this could be a problem, and if so, that is a season, a team season being derailed before it even begins. The Hall of Famer, Steve Young, will join me live next after this word from DoorDash. DoorDash here with Summer of Dash Pass. Right now, Dash Pass members are taking $10 off groceries, alcohol, pet food, and more. Need a nightcap? $10 off. Got a cough? Get relief delivered for less. Want to surprise your crush? Send a gift and save. Try Dash Pass for free and get special savings, exclusive menu items, and $0 delivery fees year-round. Get more from your neighborhood now with Dash Pass in the DoorDash app. And stay cool out there. Terms and conditions apply. CSPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement... Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com/giftfinder today. That's macy's.com/giftfinder. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/greeny, all lowercase Go to shopify.com/greeny now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com/greeny.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: This is Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District of Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Steve Young scheduled to join us here in just a moment. Meantime, Hembo, you've been called out by someone you know and like. Mm. Robert Stanberry, only the third. I do know him. Buster was listening, and he just texted me right after our previous conversation. Bryce Harper is not even the most underrated player on his team. That would be Zach Wheeler. That is Buster, I think, taking a direct shot at you. How do you respond, Hembo? It's a reasonable thing
2: to say. Zach Wheeler right now is the favorite to win the Cy Young Award in the National
1: League. Let's say that out loud again. Because I think that's something that a lot of people, to Buster's point, may not realize. The Cy Young Award, which a month ago we had just given to Jacob deGrom. In fact, we had renamed it the Jacob deGrom Award, and we're considering whom we might give it to. Obviously, his injury has changed everything, and now Wheeler is the leading candidate.
2: He's shoving. He leads the league in innings. He leads the league in shutouts and complete games in batter's face. He has been, he has been the best player on the Phillies this season. The reason I feel like it's fair to uh, frame Bryce Harper as the most underrated player in baseball is because of where he came from. Zach Wheeler never had nearly the kind of expectations uh, you know, upon his career that Bryce Harper had on his. And that's what makes it so curious to me because Bryce Harper went from being a celeb, like an extremely, among the most famous people in all of baseball. Fair to say? Yes, fair he was.
1: Say? He was a name everybody knew that didn't even know most names.
2: To being a player for the Phillies for the first two years of his time there that no one talked about at all and so the fact that he's ebbed and flowed so much i think is perhaps more interesting maybe wheeler's more underrated but harper's ebbing and flowing i guess is what most interested me
1: fair enough we will see when we get there in the meantime i am delighted to bring our next guest into the conversation (laughs) nfl training camps are rolling preseason games for everybody this week and the great steve young the hall of famer is with us on the goodyear hotline helping you discover the road ahead goodyear more driven good morning steve young
0: Greeny, thanks for bringing me out of hibernation. It's time to get going.
1: Well, it's, it's been a very <laughs> long time since I've heard your voice. How is everything? I hope everything is well. I hope the family is great, well. I hope that great. you're excited for the start of, the, of a new season here. We certainly are. And there are a bunch of stories I want to get into with you because anyone who's ever heard Steve in these interviews knows that this isn't, there's no point just asking like all the really simple stuff. You always are, are sort of thinking about things <laughs> in a bigger picture way. So, one of the interesting quarterback battles in training camp this year is, is one that is near and dear to you, both geographically and otherwise. Um, And that is the one in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, where everything I'm hearing about the rookie Lance has been that he is spectacular, but that Garoppolo was also having a very good camp. And we know that historically, however unspectacular, many people find him when he plays, they win. And Kyle Shanahan said an interesting thing. He said, it is not beyond the realm of possibility to alternate them, which is to say not to get a, put a package into the game plan where the rookie comes in and runs a couple of plays, but to actually alternate starters. Some games start one of them and other games start the other based upon the opponent and how things are going. And I thought to myself, that's something I've never seen a football team do, certainly not one that had reasonably good options. Is that something you could ever see happening in the NFL?
0: Yes, especially with what's happened with uh, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers,
1: and you know, Green, it's
0: not that far from what Bill Walsh did to Joe and I uh, back in the day. I mean, the idea that you have two non-toxic personalities who are going to create some create I'll call creative tension. What you're going to do is you're going to get the best of both. Now it's unusual because usually he's like, well, we got to pick a guy, and traditionally we want to make sure that he has confidence and. It's put in a place to, to be to be successful, but this one's super weird because they've already spoken as loud as you can possibly speak by making a trade with three first round draft choices, which has been done a half a dozen times in history. Mm-hmm. And so the 49ers do that to move up, and so you cannot speak any louder or with any more force that you want a new quarterback. And so if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I have to say to myself, Okay, clearly, the 49ers do not want him here. I need to go play for my future. And he's such a good guy that he's figured out a way to be there, take that message, and make the best of it. I get a lot of credit. And the idea that Trey is going to play no matter what, because they bet the farm on him. And so he's, you know he's going to play. So I think the idea being that they don't want to just say, Jimmy, go play develop more – because Jimmy's loved in the locker room too, Greedy. Mm-hmm. And so you've got all kinds of dynamics that are at play where if you want Trey Lance to take over this football team and you've got a locker room that's really loves Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy goes out and goes 6-0, and then, you know, then where are you? Then you've got to f- finish the season. Let's say he goes to win the Super Bowl. Well, you trade the Super Bowl champion. You know, you can't do it. I mean, it's like you're kind of stuck. So I think this is the way that they want to force the issue by actually – creating a space for trey lance and jimmy and over time they'll make the change they i don't know how they don't and uh i think if they if they had their druthers they would they would play trey if he was ready and capable because they've spoken as loud as you can possibly speak Mm -hmm. they wanted to transition the quarterback so they're in a weird spot and it's gonna be weird but i give them a lot of credit and i give both quarterbacks a lot of credit for being great guys great personalities, get the best out of each one of them, and I think you're going to be capable of doing something. And this team is so good that I think you can kind of play around but you can mess with some of the more traditional things you do at quarterback. It's
1: really interesting thought. I, I agree. I'd love to see it just because I always like things that are outside the box. Steve Young is with me. And, by the way, um, to your point, it was the fourth time in history that a team traded three first-round picks in any deal, and the first time since the RG3 deal – with Washington in 2012. Steve, next order of business, two rookie quarterbacks who in an entirely different situation in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, and in New York, Zach Wilson, they're both being handed the starting job. That's it. There's no competition. There's nothing to talk about. They're going to live and learn and take their lumps and whatever else. So as the fans sit here and, 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 live and die with every report from each practice. He had a good practice today. He's great. He had a bad practice today. He's going to be a bust. <laughs> you know, what, what do you watch for? What are the things you watch for in a young quarterback that suggest to you this is going to go well or not so?
0: Well, the, the biggest thing is how far the game has come to college. Pro game has become more and more like college because of safety protocols, the, the, the rule changes. Uh, you know, the, yeah, and, and it's also come to the damn athletic quarterbacks. Twenty twenty one, you have to be a guy that can run for some yards, run for touchdowns. Sitting out there, you have to go get it. And so, these are both guys that are poised to be su- super successful in twenty twenty one and and onward. The game has come to them, and um, and so I think as long as they have some relevant amount of support. We've seen lousy teams crush great players. And it's like you, no, no one overcame. I mean, Peyton Manning overcame it because the team got better the first year. I think it was, you know, and Troy Aikman, they were both in 15. I was making it up. So, you know, you're going to, if you don't get the help, uh, you, you're going to be able Both teams are now run by uh, coaches and management that have and but they're going to get incrementally better each year. I really that. They have two quarterbacks they're going to they might I don't know if they're going to be the reason yet bringing we got to find out. I think they have look, no one knows. They don't know how great they're going to be. The pro game has a way of sifting sifting that out and uh and, and it becomes a revelation even to the player themselves. But the thing is is I don't think either one will hold back any kind of improvement that the Jaguars the Jets are ready to make. And that's a big statement because a lot of quarterbacks are not capable of staying out of the way. These guys are both guys that are going to not cause grief, and they could be transformational quarterbacks. Like in five or six years, you go, oh, my gosh, both of these guys are the best of their generation. And that's very possible and it's exciting, I think. And, and there's many people, as you know, Green, in the offseason that spent the time really researching scouts, especially coaches, who had done the work and said, You know what, I'm not sure that I wouldn't take Zach over Trevor. That's not anything against Trevor. It's just saying something about Zach, I think, because Zach came out of nowhere. One year they tell the one year winner at BYU, but I think that's the kind of player, transformational player that he can be.
1: I remember how high you were on him leading up to it. And again, anyone who doesn't know, Steve is also from BYU. And so there are all these connections that are involved. Greenie and the great Steve Young, who's with me here. Fascinating insight. I want to read you some numbers about that, that impact another quarterback situation. And you tell me what this says. So Saquon Barkley is coming back healthy now. We, we knock on wood for the Giants. He practiced yesterday for the first time. He, of course, had the terrible injury last year. In the games in which, and it's, you know, it's only two seasons for his whole career, but Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the Giants, with Saquon Barkley on the field, has thrown 23 touchdowns against nine interceptions and has averaged 270 passing yards a game. Without Saquon, 12 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and less than 200 yards a game. Is it as simple as that? I mean, as as we look at it, does should I be looking at that and saying, "Oh, Barkley is coming back if he stays healthy." There's every reason to think the quarterback is going to be is going to be that level of good. When you hear those numbers, what do they actually mean?
0: They actually mean something, to me, Greeny, because Daniel Jones is a project and, and it to happen overnight. And because the game is more college like, we expect it. But some people are more late bloomers and they have to figure out things. And Daniel's one of those guys that's. Um, uh, he's, you know he he's a people pleaser. He wants to do great. He coach, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'll do. I'll go do it. And he can and he can be over about it. And you think about when trying to make throws, and you're like, Daniels, relax. Try don't try to do too much. Um, you know, uh, you don't you don't. Uh, and I think
1: that that one on the field
0: allows him to calm down. I'm not try to carry. You know, Steve. Hold and on yeah, one second, guys.
1: Put him on hold for one second. I, I'm so interested in hearing what he says. Obviously, I'm I'm willing to live through almost any amount of static <laughs> in order to hear what Steve Young is trying to tell us. But at this point, I I can tell that it's just becoming difficult to understand what he's saying. So, hopefully, we can, Nuno, you know, get him to a place where we can get him because it's just you're getting a taste for those of you who don't get to hear Steve on the radio often or in other places where he can talk in this kind of longer, broad form. Of just how good his analysis is, let's try it again Steve. I'm sorry about that there's just a little issue with the phone. You were saying Daniel Jones, a little bit of a late bloomer, a little bit of a people pleaser, and pick it up from there
0: right, and I think that you know we're going to merge here with some more experience. The best thing that can happen to young quarterbacks that I think have the capability of being good is to actually play enough football mm. a lot of times we we you know I've had a number of quarterbacks through the years that have come to me Steve, I just Finally figured it out, and I got thrown off the, thrown out of town because they just got sick of me. Daniel Jones is playing enough, and he's going to get better. And with Saquon, he'll get a lot better because he's got the help, he's got the support. And so, to me, I believe in Daniel Jones. I believe that with Saquon Barkley, he can get there faster. And I think as long as and he needs to be on the run, he needs to be on the move. Right now, as a younger player, he needs to not want to. Uh, you know, everyone wants to sit in there. And do what Tom Brady does. I, I, I admire what Drew Brees does or what Aaron Rodgers does. You know, that's great. But in the meantime, I, there's a lot of success to be had out there, free yards to go get with your legs and grow into the position. And I, I encourage Daniel not try to be perfect. And that's that overwrought feeling that puts him in a bad spot. And then lean on Saquon. I'm a believer in Daniel Jones over time.
1: Greeny and Steve Young, one more for you, Steve. And, and this now, let's get into the dynamics of relationships because – um, one of the things that always, I've always remembered, when John Elway announced his retirement, he was somewhat tearful in his press conference announcing his retirement. He started thanking some of the great players he played with. And when he got to Shannon Sharp, he said, Shannon, thank you for everything. I know you're open. I know you're open. I know you're open. Like, he, you know, jokingly, <laughs> the guys like him are always open. So I'm, I'm fascinated in the dynamic. You would get this because not only are you a Hall of Fame quarterback, but you played with maybe the greatest – well, not maybe. You played with the greatest receiver of all time. In Jerry Rice. So now you're Baker Mayfield, and you don't have that level of clout and credibility and all that kind of stuff. And you you finally put together a really good season last year, and now back from injury comes Odell Beckham, who's this really big personality and this big star, and who it has always felt to me like when they were on the field together, Baker seemed very conscious of trying to make sure – that Odell was satisfied with how much he was being used. Can you just kind of take me through those interpersonal dynamics of what it's like to be a quarterback with that caliber of receiver and what it takes to make sure that what you do is in the best interest of the offense and not catering to one sort of dominant player?
0: Uh, Green, you make a, that's a tremendous question. Because the dynamics in the locker room, you, there, people don't realize – How much uh, is on the quarterback from a kind of psycho to be a psychologist and to work with each player and how to get the most out of them and who to yell at and who to be quiet and who to you know who, who to pat on the back and who to kick in the butt and you know it's like if you're really good as a player you have all these different kind of tools in your toolkit and the toughest ones are the guys like Jerry Rice or Odell because they are so. You know, you know, on the field, you know, if you get him, like Jerry used to say to me, Steve, give me the ball, we'll win. And I'm like, hard <laughs> to say that that's not true. You know, like yeah, let, let's get him the ball, but you can't. The game has to come to you, and if you try to make, if you try to force it on, the, on the game, you'll, you'll, you you'll what'll ha- end up happening is that Jerry Rex will be more frustrated than ever, and so you have to have the maturity to let the game come to you. Yet you've got to manage the player, you got to manage the relationship, and so in a lot of it, it's 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 communication. Saying, "Look, you know, I, I messed that one up, Jerry. I miss you, but I won't miss you again." And like you know, if you miss him again, you tell him, You know, it's like you keep it go- keep it going. And and also, if he gets, if somebody gets out of line, I don't care who it is. If somebody is out of line, they need to be a little bit on ice. You know what I mean? You've got to say, "Look, that's not that doesn't work." Mm. And so you have to be able to. I don't know. Manage the game, manage the team, and put the people in a position to be successful. And Baker, in many ways, young players can't do that because they don't have the hutzpah, right? They don't have the they don't have the ability to kind of tell people what to do, and no one respects them. But as he grows into the role, I think he'll be able to do that more and more. I hope he does, so that the players say, "Hey, the guy is in charge, and I'm going to believe in him." And I think Odell, more than anything, just you know, play, you know, if we can get Odell too, to not worry about I'm not catching 10 balls a game and really just let it come to him as well. That's the best possible scenario. When Jerry and I were in that mode, when it was just, we were playing and it was just rolling and balls were, all of a sudden Jerry catches 13 at the end of the game for 180. And you're like, how did Jerry play? He's like, (laughs) he broke a record. You're like, Mm -hmm. really? I can't. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. And there's, there's times when we had a Jerry Rice part of the playbook. Whereas, like, look, Jerry's not getting the ball. We got to get that started, and we'd have some some things to kind of ignite that. But we were very careful about and judicious because you you just can't jam it in there, uh, you know, uh, like haphazardly. So I just think it's a very great question, Greeny. Very a lot of dynamics and a lot of things that are fraught with terror. And that's why great quarterbacks figure out how to be great psychologists.
1: That's so well done. Steve, I I could do this forever. It's a pleasure to talk again. I'm, I'm delighted <laughs> that you're back here. Uh, enjoy the start of the season. I hope we'll talk soon.
0: Great. Great. Thanks for coming. Uh, seriously, you guys like the bear in hibernation. I, the first time. I don't get to talk football very often. And my kids are music theater and gamers. And like this is.
1: This is cathartic for me. Call me anytime. Okay. Well, listen, I mean, you know, stay by the phone. <laughs> <I> will be, <laughs> I like we will be back soon. Take care. Uh, that's the great Steve Young. That was just so good. Again, I regret that the phone line was what it was at the beginning, but I think you were able to, we were able to understand what he was saying, right? Like I, at no point there did I think we needed to give up on it. And then it got obviously a lot better. That was so fascinating that that the, the those dynamics, Steve Young once said to me, we did an NFL game together. And he said to me, The intellectual challenge. Steve has a law degree. He said the intellectual challenge of playing quarterback, of mastering the position of quarterback in the NFL, was to him a greater challenge than getting through law school. So the great ones approach it that way. And that's what separates them. And that's why Steve Young is in the Hall of Fame. All right, this was a fun day. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here. We'll see you back in Better Than Ever. Same time, same place tomorrow on ESPN Radio.